can kind of go through the donor egg process, not at any age, really. Well, no. you probably could, but, you know, you've got a bit of time under your belt to, to mull it over and see if you wanted to do it because you're not against the clock anymore. And that's a, that's a really big message for people to hear mm. when you take that pressure off you. Oh, yeah. You know, it must have felt it must have felt very emotionally releasing to do that. Yeah, it still does. Um, to once I took that pressure off myself of going, you know, we're talking about three months into my diagnosis that I'm sitting in the room with a lady handing me a brochure about donor eggs thinking, hang on a minute, I don't I don't want what <laughs> I don't want kids just yet. And um and then actually going hold on a minute I don't have to do any of this and then reframing it for myself in that way that thinking about something that doesn't actually exist you know like the child or it's it's a weird place to be where you're stressing about something that doesn't exist once you take yourself out of that and stop stressing about it as much as you can and focus on you Mm. and focus on your health which is the main thing because you're a living and breathing person that's you know you've got to look after yourself in this and then coming to the next step of well there's plenty of ways to skin a cat you know welcome back to another episode of thriving through menopause podcast the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the ceo of your menopause transition I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. Well, welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to continue something we were talking about earlier, and that is, in fact, early menopause. Because it's becoming something that I'm hearing more about, that more women are encountering, and that needs discussion because it's painful for the person and they're often not getting the support they need from the medical establishment because they're not themselves that aware. So I'm delighted that I'm joined today by somebody who's been through a really big transformation in the last two years and to share her story and the steps she's got. And I hope that's going to be an inspiration for many of you. So welcome, Nina Rogotsky. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you got it right. I got it right. <laughs> welcome, Nina. Hi, it's really nice to be be um, able to speak to you. And um, I'm really excited to share my story. My house is a little bit noisy this evening, so hopefully you won't be able to hear that. But, you know... Um, that's the nature of it um but yeah um I'm just really happy to be here and, and hopefully even if just one or two people took something from this I'd be pleased that's beautiful Nina start really with where all this really began how did you discover that you were in an early menopause situation um so I um two years ago I had something that's called a Barton cyst and I had surgery for that cyst to be removed by a um, gynecologist Mm -hmm. and shortly after that surgery I started to get night sweats and I started to my my partner noticed that I was really really hot in the nighttime and sweating which is something that I had never ever ever had anything like that in my life 
um, never, you know, just thought I was getting sick or something. Um, and it kept carry, it carried on and carried on. Then um, I was had a late period. It was about six weeks from my last period. And again, my partner, <laughs> I just bumble through my life carrying on. It's actually my partner that's oh. like, hold on a minute, what? <laughs> You've not What's had a period. Yeah. <laughs> this. And um, so he mentioned it. And then I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. And I'm usually, I was like clockwork. Um, I kept it tracker on my Fitbit actually and then I realized that that's true and I went to the doctor and I it was a new GP I couldn't get in with my regular doctor and I I, I went and got these blood tests that were new to me again I'd never seen FSH before I'd never seen LH um, mm. and never had my estrogen checked in my life mm. um, so they did those tests and I got a phone call on a a message actually was left which is where this started of the frustration of I was about to go on holiday I was leaving um, Auckland where I lived to go on holiday to Byron Bay and I got a message left on my phone in the evening saying oh um your ovaries are packing a sad that you're um you look like you're in an early menopause and so thanks call us Monday oh my and goodness. so obviously I know and how so old were then, you? you know, if I can just interrupt, how old yeah. were you at the time? 36. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Packing a sad I was, and apparently. So that was the first thing that I had. This is where this, you know, that was the first, you know, step on this yellow brick road, I suppose, of early <laughs> menopause. Wow. And um it was that was all I had. That was all I had. And I was left that message and I went on holiday the next day. I, it was a weekend. I couldn't speak to anybody. I couldn't phone anybody. And so Dr. Google stepped in, mm. you know, and I'm Googling all of this stuff. And it was just, wait, that means infertility. Wait a minute. That means I'm stuck in this whirlwind of hot flushes and all the symptoms that go with it. Yeah. What, what the hell? And yes, yeah, so that, that was the, my, diagnosis that's how I was diagnosed wow and and that was a GP she didn't or he or she didn't know you and really no. that well apart from the test and they kind of yeah. dropped a bomb on you I mean yeah I mean you're th yeah. probably didn't even look to see how old you was I would suspect that's quite possible and just went oh no, and I test results yeah. boom you know yeah. yeah and I've 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 read about that with people and I've spoken to people that they they get these results given to the person that may be working on reception at their GP and they just get, oh, that person just looks at menopause, rings that patient and doesn't know that they're not actually of an age, which where that would be a natural part of their, you know, cycle in life. Mm. And so, and, and that's crazy. They're, they're, they're probably so busy that they just phone this person, oh, that's a diagnosis, get them off the desk, you know? Yep, and that's it, that one yeah. done, ticked, I've, I've wronged that person. And it's not yeah, done. Yeah, I'm rocking my list today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So having had that diagnosis and Dr. Google, where did you go from there? I went into a massive spiral of despair because I was on a way, obviously I was out of the country as well. Mm. My partner wasn't with me at the time. I was visiting a friend and I 
couldn't get hold of anybody even through that time I was away. So where I went from there was trying to suss this by myself um, and what, trying to work out what it means for me and my life. But the mm. big, the big flashing red one was the infertility. That's, you know, that's it, isn't it? And um, in, in that, it was, I just sort of went on this quest of trying to hack, become some sort of early menopause hacker, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I can get around this. I'm going to beat this. It's, it's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. And um, researching my butt off to see how I could beat it. Um, but then from there, I went on to, um, back to my gynecologist, which was the only gynecologist I, I, I had at that time. Yeah. Yeah. She gave me a scan, um, to see what was going on with my ovaries, to see what kind of condition my uterus was in and try to work things out from there. Then what I got from her was, Oh, I would understand if this was the uterus and ovaries of an 80 year old. That's what she said to me. And she then wrote me a prescription for um, a HRT that was in a tablet form and said, come back when you're 15. And we'll talk about getting you off. And that was the the end of... That was the end of my care. Yeah. Wow. Wow. she, She also... Yeah, and I suppose in her mind, that was where the road ended and off I go into my life of yes. no real explanation of what's going on and how it might have happened. No, um, no and, that, and that, that was probably the bit you wanted to know. How, how has this happened? Did this, yeah. this happen? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we still don't know. We still don't know how this has happened. Um, it, it's obviously a disruption in my body somewhere a disconnect um we still we we just don't know and and that's the other thing as well with early menopause is a lot of the time it's it's unknown how it happened you can't pinpoint anything Mm -hmm. and that leaves a massive question mark over um you know the diagnosis but also what what did you do did you do something you know i even went back to is it because I smoked when I was a teenager? You know, did I do something, you know, with a yeah. few crafty cigarettes, you know, did that do it? Or, um, you know, drinking uh, when I was, you know, going out or, or what have I done? And it was, it was horrible. It's horrible. And, and I know so many people that would have gone through that and are probably still going through that as well. Just questioning every move that you've made. Um, after that, I kind of sat the gynecologist. That wasn't good enough for me no. um, to be left like that. And I'm quite a, um, I, it's not I don't take no for an answer, but I know my body and I'm very, um, I need to know. I need to know yeah. more. You know? Yeah. So I went on to try to find some different practitioners. Um, and I met a really lovely naturopath um, who, who before um, anything, I went to see her. And we got me on a really good regime and I was feeling really, really well. But that went so far and it became quite apparent to me that that needed to be accompanied by some sort of HRT in some form. Yes. Yes. The two could be married together. Yes, because you are at a very different age, aren't you, Nina? Yes. There. I mean, if we're like we are late 40s, 50s, 
the the signs of aging are, are, are not that fun, but we can kind of accept them, can't we? Whereas yes. when you're when you're a younger woman, that must have been quite hard for you to accept yes. because the I mean the aging as we lose estrogen is you know like me you end up a bit wrinkly. I'm sixty, so I'm not that bothered about it. And but it, at thirty eight, yeah, thirty six, yeah, that's exactly. very hard to to be in that space. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, I think it was you know your your peers, you know people of your age. Um, are just having children and they're going through the, the normal process that's to be expected of somebody of our age. And then there's me on the side of it with, you know, these really unusual symptoms and trying to get to grips with that. Mm. Um, and the tiredness and, you know, all the stuff that comes with it, that yes. without HRT and with that, that support, you really are just stuck. You feel stuck. Yeah. Mm. and it can go on for a long time <laughs> <laughs> well for you that then is the kind of time isn't it i mean that yeah. is yeah. that's 20 years 15 years to really what feels too early yes um, yeah. yeah yeah and it must have been hard when people around you were having children and that was now not an option for you how did yeah you and it it is it's it is hard um it's funny because we haven't hadn't got to that stage really as to whether we would you know discuss in having a family mm. um and so then to actually have that option largely removed you know from me um you go through all sorts of of um scenarios mm. and at one stage you know i went to a um a uh, endocrinologist um, to talk about the HRT, and she just sort of said, "Oh, and donor eggs are down that way." So I ended up oh. in this room with wow. this nurse who thought I was after donor eggs, and it was I was sitting in a room with her. And so the lady who did my HRT presumed that that's where I would want to go next. So said, "That's you have to go to this room next. Talk about donor eggs." And I was like, "What?" So we went in there and then she talked me through that process and I thought it was something that I, that was my only option that I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started to get a little bit obsessed with that and looking into that and thinking about it, but I was kind of not ready for any of it. So I think that one of the key things that I took away from those, you know, that, that time afterwards is that you don't have to do anything really. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good to just, stop and pause and and i'm still in the stop pause mode and i'm that's fine for me yeah children yeah. now is you know um i don't even know if, if this is the right thing to say but i also feel like it's a bit of a luxury because of i'm not against the clock anymore and so you've got that kind of little little bit there of of um time that you can kind of go through the donor egg process not at any age really well no. you probably could but you know you've got a bit of time under your belt to to mull it over and see if you wanted to do it because you're not against the clock anymore and that's a, that's a really big message for people to hear mm. when you take that pressure off you oh yeah know, it must have felt it must have felt very emotionally releasing to do that yeah it still does um to once I took that pressure off myself of going 
you know, we're talking about three months into my diagnosis that I'm sitting in the room with a lady handing me a brochure about donor eggs thinking, hang on a minute, I don't, I don't want, what? <laughs> I don't want kids just yet. And, um, and then actually going, hold on a minute, I don't have to do any of this. And then reframing it for myself in that way that thinking about something that doesn't actually exist you know, like a, a, the child or it's, it's a weird place to be where you're stressing about something that doesn't exist. Once you take yourself out of that and stop stressing about it as much as you can and focus on you mm. and focus on your health, which is the main thing because you're a living and breathing person that, you know, you've got to look after yourself in this. Yeah. And then coming to the next step of well there's plenty of ways to skin a cat you know and it's yeah. if you really desperately wanted to have a family that comes in lots of different ways um whether it's you know nieces and nephews um uh, we have in new zealand lots of buddy systems for kids that need somebody to look up to yeah i'm sure they're, they're all over the place um, and also, you know, there's the donor egg, there's adoption, there's fostering. There are so many options yeah. and you don't have to take any of them, but you could take one and you're not like a lot of my friends now, you know, I'm 38 in a couple of weeks and those that do want kids, they're all rushing to have, you know, try and squeeze a kid out now before they're 40. <laughs> and I'm just like putting my feet up like, oh, okay, I might just use the 22 year old six <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> nice and fresh I, and, um, I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can do what I want and I'll choose somebody who's like really tall <laughs> and you know and it's um <laughs> yeah so there's you can have I don't even know if it's the right thing to say but you could have some fun with it really <laughs> well I think that's probably a very healthy way to look at it because otherwise the other way is very it's very emotionally straining, isn't it? You know, on you to yeah. to put, to feel because you could feel very overwhelmed. Yeah, and overwhelm is the right right word because um, I felt overwhelmed. You know, I I think that anybody who has this diagnosis or is going through it is going to go through phases of shock, overwhelm, feeling worthless. I think is another one. You know, you kind of we're conditioned to believe that we're put on this planet as women to reproduce. And unpicking that story um, takes a bit of work, you know. If you've been told something, I don't know, not everybody has. But for me, I think the expectation um, would be that I would have had kids. Not that my parents ever put any pressure on me, but I think that, that you know, the expectation's there that, of course, you'll have kids. When you're, you know, and you get told when you're younger, oh, when you're a mum or when you have kids. And it's, you know, that's actually, it might not be happening now. So, yeah it's hard um and i think that you go through so many different stages and when you come out the other side of it it's glorious honestly <laughs> <laughs> you were still there out working through this but then your body was also changing at the same time wasn't it yeah 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 i think the biggest thing the biggest shock to my system was um the weight that i put on um quite rapidly um not huge amounts but enough to notice and that's something that I was really worried about health-wise um that is that going to be something that continues to happen is that going to be something that's going to then become a health issue in the future you know the strain on your on your body but very quickly I realized that 
that doesn't have to be like that. There are ways around it. Um, largely, sometimes when you are taking the HRT, you do get that bloat. You might get the water retention. Yes. But you're not going to end up, you know, really, really over, overweight and unhealthy. And for me, it's about health. Yeah. So um, did you take some steps there that worked. I did take some steps. I took many steps. I've been through everything. I went to a nutritionist and I the nutritionist wasn't quite getting it that what I I was what the diagnosis was. It's, what's that? And then oh I've never heard of that before. And um yeah, yeah, that's what you get is I've never heard of of um, and I don't like to call it ovarian failure I call it insufficiency yeah. um primary or premature ovarian insufficiency or early early onset of menopause symptoms yeah um most of them had never heard it um so I went through the nutritionist and then I kind of got rid of that and then I came to researching um nutritional keto um and keto is kind of a bit of a buzzword yes yes explain to people who may not know what keto is yeah so keto is um ketosis and it's a high fat good fats um not just bacon and cheese um (laughs) good fats and I, i can explain what what they might look like um and a low carbohydrate and moderate protein diet so if you were to imagine your plate you might have 60 to 70 percent of that would be fats which might be almonds and avocado you might have cooked with coconut oil or olive oil and then a protein if you eat meat it might be like a palm-sized piece of chicken i have uh maybe tofu or salmon yeah um make sure you've got some leafy greens on there and then your carbs, um, you probably get from your vegetables. So half of your plate would be the fats. Um, and then you try to do that with every every meal. So it can come in lots of different shapes. So I use a, a tracker. I use yeah. a, a meal tracker to make sure that I've got those ratios in my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. And I honestly can't like rave about it enough and there's lots of different things about keto that you probably see around you know on instagram and stuff and yes they're not they're not always nutritional um a lot of them are you can eat bacon and egg forever and (laughs) you'll be great and it it doesn't work like that not for people i don't think with hormone um issues um definitely not um it's all about nutrition and it's it does really get the body back into um functioning on a bit of a higher level um or for me anyway Mm. i'm much more alert um my clothes fit a bit better um i've found that my skin is much better Mm. um and um i even got some of my cycle back for a little while so that was huge are they rich in in things like omega-3s and omega-9s and yeah yes yeah. Yep. So that's what you'll be getting. Um, and the coconut oil um, also is just full of um, of goodness. Um, avocados. So it is. It's yeah. The good fats. It's absolutely that. It's the omegas and um, and all those things that that come with it that that boost your system. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that, but I think that the carbohydrates, when you're having a lot of carbs, they just feed the insulin. I yep. think it works like that. Um, or in some way it, it's like creating sort of a, a spike and a, and a, a dip and a this and a that. And then your body doesn't know whether it's coming or going and it doesn't process everything properly. So it just sticks to you. Um, which I feel a million times better just for doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. So you look, you notice those. Did how quickly did you notice those differences? Within a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow, it was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty quick. And in the background, though, I upped my vitamin C. Um, the doctors had me on a monthly vitamin D um, supplement. Um, I take turmeric as well because. Um, I get achy joints. I do get yes. that. Very good for um, inflammatory. That <laughs> yes, yeah, and especially in winter, I'm I'm feeling it next winter in New Zealand. It's coming into winter, and so my body goes through a bit of a transition period that it's going through now. So turmeric's been really really helpful. Just really anti-inflammatory. I think that that's probably a really good way to think about it. Is that the carbohydrates are gonna push up that inflammation that it's on all of the affects all of the organs and i think that people get a bit scared of the word fats you know they're going low fat diet or yeah but these are nutritious and healthy fats that your cells are craving yeah. um and so yeah it's all doing good stuff it is and you know and the thing is you're noticing the benefits of that mm. Mm, I'm I'm living proof yeah <laughs> and you sleep better as well um I don't know well, I suppose a lot of women um struggle with their sleep cycle during this sort of going through this early menopause or menopause um and that you are waking up I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning every not for no reason and every night yeah and it was can't get back to sleep well I'd go back to sleep but I'd always wake up at three o'clock and I think I don't know if my body was processing something at that certain time and my liver was doing something or something was waking me up. Um, and then as soon as I started taking HRT, getting my body um, on that really nice nutritional ketosis diet or, or lifestyle, I won't call it a diet, um, then it started to sort itself out. Yeah. And did you combine that with any other things like any exercise or other other modalities yeah. to make yourself feel better? Yeah. So I'm a yoga teacher um, by trade. And so I am um, yoga, 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 yoga all the way. <laughs> and um, you've really I think that what helps is um, any weight bearing exercise. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talk about high intensity um, interval training mm -hmm. that has really good results for some people but i hate it <laughs> so <laughs> i don't really i have bits and bursts a bit where i'm like yeah i'm gonna do yeah. this and then yeah. i realize how much i don't like it yeah, yeah. i'd be saying to my listeners if your pelvic floor is a bit weak give it a minute don't yeah <laughs> don't be doing that no and this is the other thing as well is you know we've got to think about these there's so many aspects to this that like you're quite right if your pelvic floor is a bit weak please don't do hate like hit workouts because yeah. you'll be regretting it yeah. um it's pilates and it's yoga and it's uh, walking walking is yeah. amazing for yes. everything so at the moment for me it's about yoga and it's walking and as a yoga teacher do you have any particular 
poses or styles of yoga that, that have worked well for you or that you might recommend to someone going through the same thing? Yeah, um, so there is, um, it's actually, there's a few poses that I would recommend that would be um, toning for the pelvic floor, which would be um, uh, like the yogi squat. If you go to yoga, you might hear your yoga teacher say yogi squat. Um, and that is just a real lift up through the pelvic floor and um, it, it's working into your core and just a few breaths there. Um, chair pose as well is one of them that I like. Um, and a high lunge really gets into the glute muscles and you'll feel it burn, but don't stay there very long. You don't want to be hurting yourself over it, but it's, it's switching on those muscles and it's strengthening. Um, down dog as well the the blood flow goes to the head it boosts the brain yeah but one of my favorites um is 10 minutes with legs up the wall at the end of every day and yeah. it's reversing the blood flow it's draining all of that blood and it's going through all of the organs up to the brain um and it's um in india i think they call it the fountain of youth it's apparently supposed to stop the aging process <laughs> but I always have a joke with my students when I teach it and say oh I've been doing it for years I'm you know 70 or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure they believe me but it's um that the science behind that pose there's so much to it and and you know you can look it up online it's um it's Sanskrit name is called Viparita Karani um but it's it is just legs up the wall and yep. it's just bringing that blood in the other direction. It's one of my favourites too, Nina. <laughs> is it? I am not a yoga teacher, but I've practised yoga for about 25 yeah. years. And oh, yeah, definitely yeah. legs up the wall is a real go-to. I used to start my yoga classes like that. And I come into where I'm just nice practising. I start just like that to clear everything out before I jump on the mat and get going. Oh. <laughs> Good for you, honestly. I can't recommend it enough. And then um, the other thing that um, while we're on that, just on that subject, just quickly, um, a Shakti mat is also amazing. Mm. Have you tried one of those? I've heard about those. Yes, those are the ones you like, you're lying on. They've got some yeah. ones with spikes. Takes a bit of getting used to. Yeah, it's got spikes. It's an acupressure mat. But it's like, if you, it's not just about, um, you know, relaxing the joints, which is a, bonus of it but it it gives you such a good night's sleep if you're struggling with that too it's one of my go-tos wonderful so that is a real recommendation to all those of you out there that are struggling with sleeping i'd forgotten about that but thank you for <laughs> it takes a bit of going a bit going getting used to lying on a spiky mat but yes yeah. <laughs> yeah it takes a bit of getting used to but um you'll get there you will get there and you'll love it yeah yeah through all this time and obviously you've got a great partner but what other support networks did you have or find nina mm. it was hard in the beginning because you kind of well I, i'm a bit of an isolator so if with something like that i just sort of um head down trying to find my way out of it and then i discovered daisy network the daisy network which is a uk charity and they have been set up um, by 
uh, a group of people. I think it's some are doctors and some are specialists and some have gone through the process themselves. And I use a DAISY network probably more now that I've accepted this, you know, into my life and I've stopped trying to make it all about hacking into it and, you know, getting rid of it and, and actually now just, okay, how do I, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. um, and so DAISY Network is, is the biggest one. They do really cool, um, during lockdown, they've actually done some really cool seminars online that can be accessed by everyone now on their website. Um, also Facebook groups, there are lots of Facebook groups. I just, during, during that week in Byron Bay where I was like, oh God, and trying to find out what's going on, I did type the words into Facebook and came up with um, premature ovarian insufficiency support groups. They do exist and there are lots of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did go into fertility groups. But I've come out of those now because I'm just a little bit out of that kind of part of the journey now. Um, we've been desperately trying to find a way through this and how can I make myself fertile? I must be fertile. Um, yeah. So I've stepped out of those because it wasn't good for me. Um, and yeah, I don't really talk to friends about it. I actually don't really talk to friends about it. It's more, it's, it's easier for me to talk to people or gather my information from people that have been through it. So those are the tools that I use. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And now I've got a really great kind of gynecologist as well. And he's been amazing and I can ring him whenever I want to. That's fantastic. If someone was diagnosed today with POI, what would be your recommendations of the steps that they should take to put themselves on a better path? I would say if somebody got their diagnosis from their GP today, make sure that your GP makes an appointment with you to come back in and make sure that your GP doesn't fob you off with crappy HRT. Um, and I say that in the way that I was given something that wasn't a natural hormone replacement mm -hmm. therapy in the way that the pills and the, the patches are quite different. So they're, estradiol that I'm on is soy based I believe yeah um and so is the utrogestin um the um progesterone part of my cyclical HRT is soy based a lot of it is derived from not um they're not natural and they can give you a lot of side effects and they get processed by your liver so ask those questions where's my hrt come from what is it made of and and really really make the gp um research it with you or for you because a lot of them they've never come across this before and so they'll just give you what they would you know they all they know and they don't know what they don't know so you you know we have to help <laughs> um and it can be really frustrating at times find yourself a if you are lucky enough to have access to private medical care, health insurance, which has been, I am, I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, I was able to access a gynecologist and an endocrinologist. Wonderful. So the endocrinologist was able to explain to me in real detail what the hormones meant 
why they might be doing what they're doing, even down to where the signals are sent from my pituitary gland to my ovaries to kick off a cycle. So, you know, the doctor might not explain that to you. Um, it's important to understand that you are not broken in any way. It's just a disconnect. So, and that's where I feel like I was really lucky was having that team of people over the, well, the crappy GP who she can go um, and, and then a crappy gynecologist in the beginning who also got sacked. Yeah. But then I came into this place where I was back with my very first GP. I had a really nice endocrinologist who was very, very helpful. They were at a fertility clinic. So that's just happened to be where they sat. It wasn't that I was going to the fertility clinic for fertility, you know, to make a baby, but that's where her office was. And because she was based in a fertility clinic, um, it seemed that we had access to a lot more information about what happens now and your options. So if that's an option, I would get an endocrinologist and get yourself a rockstar gynecologist as well. Um, not like the one that I had in the beginning. And if you feel like you are being fobbed off, then you probably are. And so go to the next one and try them on size. Go to a lot of different gynecologists if you have to until you find the right one. Um, yeah, I think had I had I known what I know now, I would have pushed more for answers and the right care. Um, I think yeah. that it's a delicate situation mm. and the way it was handled was terrible in the beginning for me. Mm. So there's, a, yeah, lesson, there's um, a lesson there, isn't there? I think if there's anyone here yeah. who is in the medical profession, yeah. it's an area that's not so unusual. And it seems to yeah. be a lot more women are in their late, mid to late 30s for a variety of reasons that we don't understand going into this POI space. I yeah. think it's yeah. very important that there's a big change, a big shift in the way in which GPs are trained. To meet these things on yes. different levels not just not knowing about it but also how they handle what is a very emotional experience for i think you know. that's what was missing as well is the emotional side of it mm -hmm. was lightly touched on by the endocrinologist um but actually casting my mind back um i actually haven't really been offered any support in that area um i went i i see um i have my own therapist i have quite a large team of people behind <laughs> me um, i am i i thank my lucky stars i have access to what i have access to and, and i i really understand that not a lot of people are in that position um and it's if you can get counseling from your gp um or get offered something take it with both hands because you will need it quite often we don't process those emotions and they'll come up in other ways they'll manifest in another way somewhere it will come out um yeah so if i was to talk to myself two years ago i would be giving myself the space to grieve i think as well which is important i kind of just was like i'd scrape my knee or something first of all but then it all kicked in for me um and um it's I think that the important thing is is just get like a really good team behind you and you're not broken I think is one thing that I would really want to hammer home to people and like because I do talk to a lot of people that 
and go through that I feel worthless stage you know why is my body doing this and everything else but you can still live a life you're still living and breathing person so yeah it's just part of the story that's wonderful thank you Nina and thank you for coming here and sharing your journey and and what you've gone through to get yourself to a, a space that feels very different probably from that mm. first telephone mm. call how can people yeah. connect with you and and the work that you do or the talks that you give um oh so i've got a website which is where uh, my yoga and wellness is and it's um www.thesoullaundry.co.nz and you can connect with me on instagram i've got a little um poi page on instagram and it's at holistic underscore poi so i do posts on there and little videos and stuff about what i'm up to and you can yeah you can contact me there and i'm always 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 happy to speak to people that are going through the same thing and it works both ways you know we're we're more people than we than than we know um the statistics i don't believe are real <laughs> those are the ones we know about yeah one percent of people i'm like oh yeah only i would be in the one percent you know <laughs> <laughs> of course it's me <laughs> and, um, but it's um those are the ones we know about those are the ones that have been diagnosed and i don't think that that even touches yes the tip of the iceberg that's very true yeah. nina thank you so much for giving your time thank you thank you so much for having me you're welcome I feel as uplifted and inspired by nina's story as i was i love that she took so much self-leadership here when she was faced with limited or no professional help from her doctor and I hope that you connect with her and learn from her. Next week, we're going to be talking about how we can build community and also take more proactive action and getting the right nutrients into our body to help us thrive through this transition in life. I'm going to be joined by Rebecca Brown, the founder of Empowder. I'm excited about the work that they're doing think you will be too. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to like, subscribe and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, iRest, Stitcher and Google and much more. And if you are looking for more support yourself to go through the peri to post menopause journey, whatever your midlife transition looks like or feels like, then connect with me, Clarissa Christensen, clarissachristiansen.com Until next time, go well. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.